Recent studies suggest the heritability rate of autism is somewhere between 83 and 92 percent. Holy cannoli, Batman. Exactly. We can trace autism all the way up the family tree to the beginning of time. Episode one. Welcome to Autistica. Welcome to the Autistic Culture Podcast. Each episode, we dive deep into autistic contributions to society and culture by introducing you to some of the world's most famous and successful autistics in history. Before we get started, a quick disclaimer on how we use the word autistic. The purpose of this show is not to diagnose the people or characters we discuss as autistic. While some may have announced being autistic, what we're really sharing here is our observation of what is representative of autistic culture. It can sometimes be difficult for autistic people to celebrate our natural tendencies and traits due to the perception of autism as a disorder that needs to be fixed, a long history of damaging medical interventions to get autistics to fit in with mainstream culture, and protective masking skills many of us have developed to try to stay safe. Whether you are autistic or just love someone who is, your hosts, Dr. Angela Loria, the linguistic autistic. And licensed psychological practitioner, Matt Lowry, welcome you to take this time to be fully immersed in the language, values, traditions, norms, and identity of Autistica. Autistica. Welcome to the Autistic Culture Podcast, the show where we go into deep dives and info dumps and explore the most interesting parts of autistic culture and share it with you, the loyal listener. My name is Matt Lowry. I'm here to tell you about all sorts of neat autistic stuff. And I am your uh, Vanna White, I guess, today. I'll be waving and looking lovely. I know you've got a good story for me today. What do we get to talk about, Matt? Well, uh, it, to get us started off, I think that I need to ask uh, you, Angela, a few questions. Okay, I'm ready. Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle of the night? Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic? Have you or any of your family ever seen a spook, specter, or a ghost? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Ghostbusters. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all of your paranormal elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. <sighs> I feel better already. Ring, 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 ring. What are we talking about? <laughs> Today, we are going to talk about the autistic history and autistic legacy of the Ghostbuster franchise. Uh, the brainchild of Dan Aykroyd, who is a noted autistic person. And we are going to dive into all the elements that make Ghostbusters autistic, how Dan Aykroyd has influenced the franchise, influenced the fans, and uh, expressed with the world what it means to be truly autistic. So, Dan Aykroyd... Uh, well, I have, oh. Wait, before you jump in... I have like a little bit of a half confession to make to you. Tell me. I did see Ghostbusters. I can sing the theme song, which I am sure will happen before this episode is out. But I like saw it when I was 10 in the movie theater. I don't, I like, this is not, I don't know a lot about Ghostbusters. And I certainly 
never knew there was anything autistic about it. It seemed like the most mainstream of mainstream culture. I thought we were supposed to be like the weird ones on the margins of the village. This is right in the middle of the village. Ghostbusters is as mainstream as it gets. A, a multi-million dollar blockbuster, a, uh, a, a franchise, currently a sub company for Sony dedicated to uh, making lots and lots of Ghostbusters media in the future. Yes, uh, it is fantastic that autistic people have influenced mainstream culture to this degree. Yeah. And this is one of the things that I really, really love about it because... Uh, as a kid growing up, I knew I resonated with Ghostbusters, but I couldn't really articulate why, because mm. I love science, I love the supernatural, and with this being October, I think that it's a great time to talk about spooky stuff. Mm. But again, we at the, the time, I, I could not identify why I resonated so closely with these characters. And it turns out that both Ray Stans and Egon Spengler are canonically autistic, according to Dan Aykroyd. All right, we're going to do some strengths-based diagnostics. It's your sweet spot. Tell us Absolutely. why Ghostbusters is autistic. And I know you're going to tell me about Dan Aykroyd. Uh, so maybe we start start with our guy, Dan. Dan Aykroyd is a prolific writer, actor, comedian. He worked on Saturday Night Live, had several movies, is still working in movies today. Uh, and an avid podcast person himself, Dan, if you're listening, please call us. Who are you going to call? Oh, exactly. Wait. The Autistic Culture Podcast. <laughs> That's, that is the way. And he, he, he's spoken, especially to the Daily Mail, about how he was diagnosed in the 80s with Asperger's. Because even as a young kid, he had echolalia, where he repeated words and sounds. He had uh, he stemmed through vocal stems, where he would make grunts and barks, mm. which later comes into the movie. He mm. talked about, quote, obsessions. But again, that's a very negative connotation to our passions. We love research. We love exploration of ideas. And, and let he, me guess, he was researching ghosts. Ghosts were uh, his special interest. Ghosts and law enforcement. Right. And shocker, coincidentally enough, shocker. yeah. And old cars, because he he's a very much a gearhead. Huh. And he combined all of these. His family is actually from a, a very long line of paranormal investigators. What? Yes. Yes, he has, his family has been ghostbusting since the oh, beginning. Wait. Hold on, let me ask you then. Like, do you have, do we want to talk about like uh, the hereditary nature of autism? Like, do you have any theories uh, yes. about his family? Recent studies suggest the heritability rate of autism is somewhere between 83 and 92%. Holy cannoli, Batman. Exactly. We can trace autism all the way up the family tree to the beginning of time. And this is an interesting thing because you find autistic people in every culture, on every continent, across the world. And because of that, we, we have this shared lineage, a different expression in different cultures, a different expression in different peoples. But you can always link together this autistic, hyper-connected brain where we love mm. research, we love learning new things, we love investigations, we love the things that we are incredibly passionate about. 
And again, we have the autistic accent, which is a big thing that's going to come across the Ghostbusters series. Oh, and I'm excited all of these, about that. All of these big traits are present uh, everywhere. And again, Dan Aykroyd shares them himself. So it it's fascinating. I would love to know more about his family. I know that he's a big fan of Hans Holzer, a prolific paranormal investigator, a parapsychologist who has investigated the Amityville Horror House and has written, I believe, 142 books. <laughs> that sounds about right. He's that my is, guy. We're going to have to yes. do an episode on him. <laughs> yes. A prolific investigator. I really believe that Hans Holzer is one of us. And uh, actually, he shows up later on in the, the Ghostbuster series, too, which is a, a thing that we'll get to in a moment. But uh, again, because... Dan Aykroyd, his special interests were spirits, law enforcement, and old cars. We now have a franchise based around incarcerating ghosts and driving around in a classic Cadillac. Well, yep, there you go. Special interests at work and making billions of dollars, millions of dollars for sure. Hundreds of millions of dollars. A, a great deal of money in both yes. film, cartoons, and advertising So and, and merchandising. So autistic friends in the land of autistic are listening. If you are at all worried that your special interest could never make you money, uh, paranormal research, ghosts, law enforcement, cars, there is a fortune to be made in our deep diving uh, special interest research. So exactly. be the best to do what you do. There will be surprising ways to make money at it. And not only that, because... He was highly regarded while doing so, because if you if you watch the movie, Ray Stans, his character is very, very much Dan in real life, uh, hmm. according to the sources, which is really interesting because in the original draft of Ghostbusters, it was set in the far future, a special effects extravaganza cost $11 billion to make. But uh, Ivan Reitman really wanted to make the movie, but wanted to bring it more to ground level. So he called in his friend, Harold Ramis. Uh -huh. And Harold Ramis said, all right, I think that we need to set this in present day. I think that we meet, need to make it more of an origin story focusing on these guys. But at the time, there were only three guys. There was Ray uh, to be played by Dan Aykroyd himself. There was Peter to be played by John Belushi. And there was Wisson to be played by Eddie Murphy. Hmm. But, uh, of course, uh, John Belushi passed away before the movie could begin filming. And uh, Eddie Murphy supposedly says, what is this? I don't understand any of it. So he bailed. Yeah. OK. Eddie Murphy, maybe not in the land of Autistica. Yeah, I'm yeah, pretty he, sure. He, <laughs> He's he like, these people it. are weird. I'm going to make uh, coming to America and make my kajillion dollars that way. <laughs> Which actually has a link uh, coming up, but we'll come back to Ooh. that. But this is this is the neat thing, because Harold Ramis not only said, let's double down on this. He literally doubled down on it because he wanted to make another canonically autistic character. And that's why we have Egon Spengler, because he said, I also want to do this. I want Ray and Egon to be these guys who are this way. So canonically, Egon Spengler is written as an autistic man who is both asexual and aromantic. So LGBTQIA representation in 1984. Yes, that is amazing. So wait, when you use this word canonically, I think maybe not all our listeners know that word. You're the fancy licensed 
psychological practitioner. What what is what do you mean when you use that phrase? This means that it is uh, in the source material, in the novelization of the movie, in the original scripts, in the way that the movies progress. They they almost well they implicitly say all of these things, but all of the evidence in the movie points directly to these identities. Do you think the guys were like, sit at guys, girls, whatever, um, but we're sitting around making this movie saying, hey, let's make this super aspy, uh, going back to the terms we might have used in the 80s. Like, do you think they knew that? Do you think it was conscious? Or are you like, now looking back at it, I can sort of piece this together. Well, that's the thing. Dan Aykroyd says that he was diagnosed in the mid 80s. And with the movie being written between 1982, 1983, uh, released in 1984, uh, autism and Asperger's was just now a thing. Uh, Because the Asperger's and autism didn't join the DSM until the late 70s. Hmm. Up until then, it was a form of schizophrenia. Schizophrenia, right? Childhood exactly. schizophrenia or something like that. But that's the thing. Dan Aykroyd says that his wife pushed him to get a diagnosis because he had emotional intensity. He was diagnosed with Tourette's as a child. He has all of these traits that he put specifically into the movie. Do you know what Ray, the comorbidity yes. with Tourette's and autism is? Is that a common... Oh, it's incredibly common. It's uh, due to the hyperconnected brain essentially linking over to a lot of stuff. And uh, it, there's also a high rate for synesthesia and mm. other uh, I have, different... I have some synesthesia. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It, it's incredibly common. And this is one of the neat things about the variation of the autistic brain because it it goes into all these very neat directions, which honestly, uh, speaking of all these things, autistic children are... Uh, it has been studied, are much more likely than neurotypical children to experience the paranormal, to experience ghosts, to experience uh, interesting psychic phenomena. What about like, I had a kick-ass imaginary friend. Like she was like life, like her name is Charlotte. I'm pretty sure she's real. We had lots of great conversation. It was borderline paranormal. Charlotte was so real. I, so, uh, which actually, so in the beginning of Ghostbusters, uh, Peter Vinkman is giving, a, Bill Murray's character, is giving a test of psychic awareness to two people uh, trying negative reinforcement on ESP potential. He uses these cards that have a circle, uh, a square, a uh, plus sign, wavy lines, and a star. These are called Zener cards. They were mm. developed, I believe, in the 40s by uh, a psychologist named Zener in order to specifically study ESP potential. Uh, he was at Harvard. Oh man, I can't remember. Uh, uh, it's uh, the Reinhold Center, the Reinhardt Center. It might just be the Rhine. Mm. But uh, but anyway, they were developed there for the specific testing of ESP potential. So I have a deck of these cards naturally. And when Ooh. I uh, did therapy with kids, inevitably kids would say, "I know what they're thinking about me." So my goal was to disprove that. But. On occasion, I would have autistic kids who, statistically, you shouldn't get more than 20% right because 20% is just guessing, right? right? one in five. Uh, There is one girl that I tested, got nine out of 10 right before we both freaked out and stopped. Uh, She was Mm -hmm. seeing me because uh, she had issues talking with the dead. And Mm -hmm. I was like, well, let's see. Can you really talk with the dead? And after that, I was like, maybe you can. maybe Maybe we need to 
establish some boundaries with the dead. Yeah. So okay. <laughs> instead of just saying, yeah, don't talk to the dead anymore. We're like the dead need office hours. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I am known to talk to dead people from time to time. Yeah, and yeah. um, yeah, they just need to know that the office is closed. It's like Lucy, you know, the psychiatrist is in, the psychiatrist is out. Don't bother me. Trying to sleep. Got to study algebra. Exactly, so, exactly. I love it. Yeah, that's that is the way. We love sharing stories of autistic culture. And if you are seeing yourself in any of these stories and you're wondering if maybe you're one of us or maybe you're already diagnosed or self-diagnosed and you want to know if Matt can help you live your life better and be more authentically autistic, check out his website at mattlowerylpp.com. That's Matt, M-A-T-T, Lowry, L-O-W-R-Y. And then that L-P-P, it stands for Licensed Psychological Practitioner. So head on over to mattlowrylpp.com and learn more about working with my buddy, Matt. This is the neat thing about the autistic brain because, again, Dan Aykroyd has talked about experiencing this paranormal phenomenon and wanting to learn more about it and why it happens and how it happens. So one of the neat things about Ghostbusters is the world building because all the stuff in Ghostbusters from the classification of spirits, a class one, a class five, all this stuff to why the equipment works is based on all these theories about how the paranormal world works. For instance, the reason that the Ghostbusters carry proton packs is because in theory, spirits have a negative charge and the ionization rate for spirits in the universe is constant. So if you shoot a stream of protons at them, it makes them weak enough to keep in a little box. Okay, seems reasonable. Yeah, yeah. And again, the research on this is really, really neat. And of course, some of it is made up to make to be super flashy on screen and to make it a really appealing world to believe in. But I will say it is very, it, if there is not that logic there, yes. when I'm watching a show, it pulls me out of the show. Because the way that I watch and listen, if you and I are talking or if I'm watching a TV show, I have to be researching through the show. Oh, absolutely. And I have to be like double checking what they're saying. Actually, like even as you were just talking, I looked up Zener cards. I'm like, of course, I have to make sure I know what's happening and tie it back to another body of knowledge outside this source that's saying things. Yes. And so when I watch like neurotypical movies and shows, I can almost always tell Because there'll be a random thing. Like, I just watched Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is decidedly not autistic. No one autistic involved anywhere. And they have this whole hot dog fingers thing. Yeah. And it's like, they think it's funny. And it's like, it's okay, maybe it's fine. It's so fucking trite and random. And you're not relating it to anything. You just picked a random thing because you went on some sort of psilocybin trip. Yeah. I don't know. But there's no way an autistic person would just pick that randomly. There'd be a story behind it. There'd be a structure. It would connect to things. And like when I watch Sherlock Holmes or when I watch Doctor Who, everything I research is like legit connected 
Yes. And that pulls me in more. Otherwise, you, you just lose me. I'm like, you're just random. Because you want to be a part of the world. Because if you have a Neutrona wand, like Which I do. Which you do right here. I am looking at it. Every part on here has a reason for being there, from an actual clippered valve to uh, a stream regulator. All of these things have names and parts and reasons for existing. And that immersive experience draws you into the world, And which is why autistic media is so fantastically detailed like this. You oh, can just dive into so it. Exactly. So good. And, and that is the thing, because... The original Ghostbusters movie, uh, allistic people might focus on Bill Murray's comedic aspect. They might focus on the aspect of starting a small business. But when you get down to it, it's all about paranormal research because the guys don't save the world by just going in and exploding things, although there is an explosion because movies. But <laughs> the entirety of the movie is built on research, researching Sumerian religions, researching selenium girders and why selenium was used in an apartment building to focus paranormal energy for a purpose. Researching Tobin's spirit guide. Rece the entire movie is Ray and Egon doing research in order to figure out a problem for their client. Mm. And it's magnificent because that is the autistic way. We want to learn more. We are hungry for knowledge. And yeah. hence this deep dive as we speak. And what is really interesting is Ghostbusters 2 is fairly underrated. Uh, it's the sequel. People say, oh, yes, it's very similar to the first. But we autistic people have introceptive difficulties. Introceptive difficulties is a phrase which means we have a hard time telling what's going on inside of us. And that includes uh, figuring out our emotions, because rather than feeling our emotions and able to identify our emotions, we tend to cognitively process emotions. Mm. We are very logical about what we're feeling. We look around the outside and say, ah, I'm feeling very jittery inside and there's a lot of noise going on. I must be very noise sensitive. Or I'm yelling at people. I'm very angry. Have I eaten today? I have mm. not. That must be a thing. Hungry. Exactly. So Egon, being the researcher that he is, spends the entire movie researching emotions because he has a difficult time with emotions. Yeah. He, he spends the movie learning how to smile, learning how to joke more in a very Terminator-esque fashion. But the entire movie is based on psychomagnetheric slime which okay. is based on uh, Dan's research about how ectoplasm exists and the manifestation of negative emotions in a physical way. Mm. But this manifestation of negative emotions in a physical way also influences people, causing holistic people to have very intense emotions out of nowhere, just like Dan does, just like autistic people do. Because mm. we might not always know why we're mad. We might have these environmental factors affect us and we don't realize it. Yeah. And Ghostbusters 2 is about the autistic experience of getting frustrated, getting angry, getting anxious out of nowhere and trying to make sense of this. Yeah. Let me tell you, when there is a rattle in a car, my car, a cab driver's car, any car, a train... I have so much trouble carrying on a conversation that now I know what that is. Like, I just pull over and find the rattle. It doesn't matter. But before I knew what that was, I was always in bad moods in cars. And just even being able to recognize it now, like if it's a yes. cab and I can't fix it. 
at least I can say to the person I'm with, ah, I'm going to be acting irrationally. So I'm going to stare at my phone right now or do something else. Like for me, writing, I'm the linguistic autistic. So like writing can calm down my nervous system, but trying to have a conversation, we're going to lose. I'm not, I'm not going to be with you. So I love that the research that goes into that of him identifying it, because it took me like 10 years to figure that out. Yeah. And by this time, it was 1989 and he already had the diagnosis. And one of the reasons he went for a diagnosis is because of the big emotions. So he puts this into his screenplay as a form of therapy to Mm. get it out there and to explain himself to the world is to say, I've got these big feelings. I don't know why. It's something I'm working on. Mm -hmm. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that comes up in Ghostbusters 2? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, And a through storyline that I forgot to mention is that, uh, so the original actor slated to play Lewis Tully was John Candy. John Candy wanted to play this character as a Lothario, a version of his Second City character, Johnny LaRue. Mm -hmm. He wanted to play this character as German with big German shepherds and all this other stuff. And uh, the the guys on the movie said, no, that's not the route. So Rick Moranis comes in and he says, I've got a different take for the character. I want to be a very nerdy accountant. Yes, we love Rick Moranis being nerdy. Thank you. You've got that nailed. And which is, and what is really neat is that he he apparently ad-libbed a lot of his lines in a very autistic accent because both he Mm. and Dan Aykroyd, uh, Harold Ramis, to a certain extent, have the autistic accent, but Dan Aykroyd has the autistic accent throughout the movie. So does uh, Rick Moranis. And Rick Moranis has this all the way through Ghostbusters 1 and 2 becoming uh, a really exaggerated uh, autistic person. Knowledge of tax laws. He invites clients to his party as a tax write-off because he doesn't have friends. Hmm. Uh, He talks to them about tax law. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. His life is consumed by work. That's all he can talk about. Yes, a very, very autistic representation. And he joins the guys as their tax lawyer because he wants to have more adventures with them. But that's how he relates to them. Mm. When autistic people find a special interest, they go deep and have a lot of knowledge, even if they don't have that formal education background to go with it. If you want to capture your spin in a book, check out Angela's work at differencepress.com, differencepress.com, and find out more about becoming an author and establishing your credibility with a book. And by the way, if you haven't heard uh, Matt talk about the autistic accent, we talked about it on episode one. So go back and listen if you haven't. Uh, can you do, do like this might I'm putting on the spot, but can you do a yes. little impersonation of the autistic accent, maybe from Ghostbusters? So for contrast, <clears throat> the holistic accent is when I talk very smooth and very fluid. My voice goes up and down to keep people engaged. And I stop when there's a comma or a period. But autistically speaking, I talk kind of fast. I'm talking kind of flat and I move a lot and I talk like this and I get a whole bunch of stuff out once and then I forget to breathe because I have a very long <laughs> sentence and I... <gasps> have to say a thing and then uh we we are we don't pay attention to our bodies needing to breathe because we don't we don't listen to our meat bodies we are ghosts in a meat suit more important things to think about than breathing exactly so we have so much stuff that we want to get out and if you listen to rick moranis's performance at the party scene in the first ghostbusters 
He does this to a T, and it's incredibly hard to mimic. Uh, because again, if you look at uh, people portraying autistic people, there is something a little off about it. You know that they're deliberately being nerdy. You know that they're deliberately being awkward. Which, again, this is a thing that comes up in the third Ghostbusters movie, the reboot that Paul Feig did. Paul Feig has some uh, autistic credibility given his work on Freaks and Geeks. Mm. I really believe that Kate McKinnon is one of us because mm, she has a very theory. she has a very native autistic accent. She All sure of her does. work is very intense. She she masks so well that she dives into her characters. I believe that Kristen Wiig could potentially also be one of us. But uh, uh, Melissa McCarthy has an autistic nephew mm. by way of Jenny McCarthy. So there is potentially autistic representation in the third movie, but there is not explicit autistic representation. Everyone is portrayed as nerdy, but they made the, the decision to make it more comedic rather than this uh, serious movie with comedy elements, mm. which takes a lot of liberties making fun of the potentially autistic characters, mm. which makes it... It's 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 unfortunate because again the actors are very talented. Well, it's very potentially easy. Autistic. It's very easy to make fun of autistic people. Like there's a great body of work there, but yeah. where is a is there a specific spot or like how do, what are they are they making fun of their accent? What are they making fun of? Making fun of their credibility, making fun of Kristen Wiig's character being socially ignorant especially mm. when hiring their assistant she is ah. she is unable to maintain relationships with men so she is very hormonally inclined shall we say mm -hmm. uh, which leads to poor decision making uh but again I, I i do believe that kate mckinnon was given somewhat free reign to do whatever she wanted with her character which makes epically autistic mm. but and again the comedy is the the comedy supersedes all of the world building that Dan Aykroyd built. Yeah. And that's when you don't have the world building, when you're not grounded in that, the, the comedy doesn't land. So I, I believe that the intentions were good. I believe that the casting was great, uh, but I don't believe it had the autistic element that it needed. But then there's Ghostbusters Afterlife. Bam! Ghost Ghostbusters Afterlife just came out. Ghostbusters Afterlife was written by Jason Reitman, son of Ivan Reitman, and Gil Keenan. Gil Keenan also wrote Monster House with Dan Harmon, a noted autistic man. Mm. So this script has so many autistic nods in it, so many explicitly autistic traits. It stars Egon's granddaughter, uh, again, the granddaughter of an autistic man named Phoebe. Phoebe speaks with the autistic accent all the way through the movie. And if you watch McKenna Grace's YouTube videos, the actress who plays her, she speaks with an autistic accent in real life. She has been on shows like Young Sheldon. She played a young Brie Larson in Captain Marvel. She played a young Sabrina, the teenage witch in, uh, oh, oh, oh man, the new Sabrina show on Netflix. Chilling uh, Adventures of Sabrina. Uh, uh, so, but she nails the autistic life. They speak of her as being uncoordinated, having no friends. And her big thing is that she tells dad jokes. She yeah. loves science. She rewires the home's house. She, uh, with the assistance of Egon's ghost, rebuilds a cyclotron and wields a proton pack. Her best friend in the movie 
is another autistic kid named Podcast because he has a podcast. <laughs> okay, okay. Like other autistic people who have podcasts. Right. And he loves talking about mysteries. He loves talking about the paranormal. They do research together. They research the history of Gozer. They research seismology. Oh, my God. What other movie has a 12-year-old researching seismology? Right. And so yeah. I have a theory I want to throw at yes. you that maybe I'll argue this for the first Ghostbusters, but definitely for the third, it's autism through a strengths-based lens. Yes. The second Ghostbusters, still an autistic franchise, but more of through that like pathological lens or the like, how would you describe that? Uh, it, it's deficits definitely its lens. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ghostbusters, the, the third one. Uh, so Ghostbusters one and two, definitely strengths based. Ghostbusters afterlife strength based. But answer the call. Definitely oh, deficit call. based. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely agree. Yeah, so that's like a different way to like, as you start to look at the world through this autistic culture lens that we're bringing to you is like, in the land of autistica, it is a strengths-based lens. Like we look at autism through like, what is awesome about it? Now, that's not to say there aren't some things that people want to work on because we're humans. So we work on lots of things and we try and get different outcomes and we use our strengths to get those outcomes. But when you're viewing culture and you're looking at the autistic impact, I think a lot of people grown look at like Rain Man. Yes. Which like if you want to look at a deficits-based model and not an autistic accent, but this uh, an holistic person badly doing an autistic accent, like feel free to look at that for what the opposite is or uh, the, the third Ghostbusters. So I, I love being in Autistica where we can reframe everything. And that's the brilliant thing about the end of Ghostbusters Afterlife because it is revealed that despite their brilliance uh, despite Egon's brilliance and ability to create this equipment, despite Ray's brilliance in his research, they both uh, have holistic support. Uh, Egon has Janine Melnitz, the former secretary of Ghostbusters, who checks in on him and makes sure that, you know, while he's deeply monotropically focused mm -hmm. on his work, other stuff gets taken care of. And Ray, he is definitely deep in his interests. Winston, his holistic friend, spends most of the movies hanging out with Ray because they are truly tight. And because of his influence, with because of Ray's influence, uh, again, in the script and in the novelization, Winston is an ex-Marine, an ex-construction worker. He has a history of very, very stable jobs because he is a very practical person. But Ray introduces him to this world of adventure, this world of the paranormal, this world of the autistic people. And in return, uh, he finances Ray's bookshop because he's become a multimillionaire with his work ethic. And the, this synergy, this uh, symbiosis allows the holistic and the autistic people to bond and become something bigger than either of them could have mm. ever become before. And that's... That's just the thing that warms my heart about this because that shows that the future of this franchise is not only focusing on the autistic people, but how the autistic and the holistic people bond together to make something greater than either of them could have ever had before. And that is the future of our franchise too. 
Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's really the secret and why we're sharing so much about autistic culture through this strengths-based lens is like allistics that are listening. Maybe you love someone who's autistic or you're just curious about what we're doing here or you love Ghostbusters is like when allistics can see us more clearly. Like we've been... We've been for, we're living in this holistic world and neurotypicalis. So we've had to learn more about them, but most holistics don't have to learn more about us unless you love someone, maybe have a child or a partner that's autistic. And when we come together, some pretty awesome things happen. I definitely need the support from my team in my business um, they all know I'm autistic. I talk on TikTok about having an autistic boss. Um, but we, I, I need holistic people. I'm, I'm not an exceptionalist. I don't want to live in a land of only autistic people, but I would like to live in a land where people view autism through this strengths-based lens. Yeah. And it, it, it does. And again, Winston is brought into this whole new world and is uh, he, he enjoys it. He becomes more successful because of it. And if we can get people, if we can get more holistic people into the land of Autistica and talk about how great it is, they might want to stick around with us. Yeah, we got we got lots of research to offer up and then you could go make millions of dollars. <laughs> exactly. That's the way to go. Wow. Well, uh, I have one question for you. Yes. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters! Thought that might have been your answer. <laughs> so, uh, let's see here. What is one thing that you loved about being autistic this week? Well, this, when I learned about masking, it really helped. Um, but my favorite thing this week is I set some really healthy boundaries and what happened for me is I was being asked to do things I didn't want to do. I actually got nominated for a committee I didn't want to be at. So it was like free work that was going to be unpleasant with people yelling at me. But it felt like an honor to be asked because as an autistic person, I don't often get asked and included. But I also kind of knew that my my particular challenges this was not going to support my nervous system. And so I very clearly said no and yes to what I did want. So I said, I would love to do your website. I would love to write the newsletter. I don't want to be on the committee. And I would love one point of contact who I can interact with because I don't do committees super well. I always got the doesn't play well in the sandbox sticker. And I know that about myself and I know I can contribute to this group, but I was able to say no in a way that still supported the group and my goals, but also didn't set me up for failure, which, you know, it's only taken me 50 years to figure this out. But when I was in the meeting where I was nominated for my brilliant ideas and my deep research, um, when I was in this meeting, the meeting was so chaotic. Like there was no, and I'm like, these people will drive me nuts. I will take over everything. I will annoy them. They will end up hating me. I see this whole movie playing out and I'm not going to mask because I want to be liked. I'm not going to pretend this time will be different and I can play in this particular sandbox. I set a clear boundary with love 
And I offered something I did feel good about doing. So I was very, my therapy paid off this week, I think. That's excellent. That's that's a good balance of uh, work and boundaries and uh, taking care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I love about playing in the land of Autistica is knowing, using that strengths-based lens on myself and knowing what's going to work for me, what's going to work for my nervous system, what's going to trigger me, what's going to lead to for me, a lot of anxiety and uh, not so good feelings. And then I end up taking that out on people I love and it has a very unpleasant trickle down effect. This is why I explore all of the strengths because I know I'm amazing at writing and throwing together a website and organizing things. And I'm like, this will be easier for me than almost anyone else. So I like it. Do what is easy for you. That is my advice for sure. Yes, yes. Use your strengths and succeed with them. Yes. And now I will have a lot of extra time to go watch all these Ghostbusters movies again. I hope you guys do that too. And you join us back here for the Autistic Culture Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Autistic Culture Podcast. If you like this show, you can help other people find it by taking a few minutes to write us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, great minds think different. Thank you.